the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That is who I am, as the announcer put it, Jesse Gastan. So glad to be with you, keeping you company for the next two hours. Here we go again. Here we go again. Our God is a God of cycles, a God of patterns, a God of repetition. Why? Because you and I need these cycles. We need these patterns. We need these opportunities for repetition so that we can do better the next time than we did before. So we thank him for this day that had never, ever been before. This is a new day that God made. No Monday like this one before ever in the history of the world, nor will it ever be. So what do we do in a day like this? We say that this is the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and we are glad in it. And then we do all we can to draw from that day every redemptive value we possibly can get. And here you and I are. Headed towards the end of the day, headed towards uh, the close of, of, of the day. And what are we going to do? First of all, let me just ask you the question. How was your day? I hope your day was a value and a benefit that it didn't meet you this morning with um, more trouble than you could handle. Um, uh, problems and, and surprises that were beyond your capacity or our pay grade to deal with. Uh, by the grace of God, I hope that you had a actually a wonderful day um, or at least a productive day, um, a day that uh, that that made you better by the time we reached what is now 507 uh, p.m. in the evening. I hope you're better for it. I hope that uh, as you anticipated joining me on the Monday program, as many of you do out there, that um, you're in a really, really good frame of mind. I was thinking earlier today, you know, what can we what can we talk about that would be of uh, a benefit to our soul? And, uh, you know, all I can do when I think about uh, preparing a program or um, coming on the air, generally what I, I do is I think about how to uh, weld, if you will, forge, uh, combine practical events that are going on in our life. With, uh, with with biblical principles, with, with a, a biblical worldview. And fortunately, we have so many things going on in our world and at our availability because of uh, technology and media, as you and I know, that we can, we can fairly quickly produce at least um, somewhat of an interesting storyline to talk about. Let's just imagine you and I are at the bus stop and you're headed somewhere and I'm headed somewhere and... Um, we just decide to start talking rather than letting the space uh, of silence dominate our presence, uh, you know, 
Hey, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Where are you headed? And uh, someone uh, embarks upon a topic that would help um, pass the time until the bus comes. Often, that's what I am thinking when I'm framing the topic to discourse with you for the next two hours. I'm not like boring so deeply into matters of life that somehow I'm I'm engaged in topic uh, assignment search for hours and hours and hours. I, I don't do that anymore. Years ago, I did, but today I don't. Enjoying the program from the standpoint of a number of years of experience and uh, impulse and intuition and uh, and freedom, really, freedom to talk to you for the next two hours. I generally give it to God. I trust that what he'll do is allow us to kind of engage and uh, sometimes just create something, produce something, manifest something. So I was thinking about how important it is that whenever you and I view matters, observe matters, watch, or engage in matters, how we acquire a system of takeaway so that we benefit from that event, that circumstance, that moment, that epic, uh, and, and be, the better, be the better for it. Uh, for instance, a lot of us love sports. Now, sports can be an absolutely edifying tool to shape and hone our discernment, to help us reflect upon uh, the managed conflict scenario that sports brings about, uh, and, and then to kind of transfer those particular principles from sports to our own walk with God or our own life uh, in God so that... Um, We benefit from the observances of sports and activities of that nature. Speaking of that, uh, what I want to now kind of bring to the floor as a kind of preliminary topic, of course, I'd be glad to talk to you about anything that really, you know, can be put into the hopper made to be something redemptive for all of us. The number being one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine and. I'm going to talk about a sports event that captured my attention about a month ago. Uh, Don't watch it a lot. Don't engage in it, you know, in any kind of deep invested way. But this particular event did. This was all about cage fighting. And it had to do with a notorious person whose name is called Conor McGregor. Now, some of you may know about this. and, And what I'm going to do with this is ask you the question. Now, ladies, sisters. I get it. I you, you, I can barely imagine you sitting up watching cage fighting. I got it. So what I'm about to say still can apply to you because I'm going to try to ferret it out, explain it to a certain degree in a more principled way so you can benefit from it as well. Uh, I think I can make that point. But if anyone saw the McGregor, uh, his name is Khabib, fight, or Nurmagomedov Khabib, who happens to be a Russian fighter, uh, if you've seen that fight, because I didn't see it, I didn't watch it, but I did watch the trailers leading up to it. I did watch a lot of the hype, like with boxing and different events uh, where, you know, you get the two guys kind of going at each other and talking to each other, a bunch of trash talking and all that stuff that goes on. Uh, that took place for a couple of months uh, as they were training up to the fight. And what struck me was the manner in which the dialogue took place. And I guess if I wanted to put it out front, the question would be to Christian ears and Christian eyes and biblical uh, believers observing a conflict. 
uh, a battle of words, uh, a heated debate between two competitors. So with a biblical worldview, a Christian worldview, a, a, a biblically informed worldview, McGregor happens to be one of these kind of very loud and, and bodacious and pompous uh, individuals who touts the flag of his Irish background and and uh, very flamboyant, very inflammatory, uh, over-the-top type of individual. And a large portion of that is genuine and authentic when you watch him. Of course, he has made uh, massive success in the AME fighting, cage fighting, and therefore, he has plenty of money. He's learned how to do the political, uh, you know, talk that that draws fans and draws attention. He knows that uh, that's the art form of uh, of fighting. That's true in boxing as well. Muhammad Ali was good at that. Few others, um, but McGregor caught my interest, you guys, because in all of his rambling and and his uh, taunting and his flamboyant speech and his his flamboyant ways against his opponent, we're going to just call him Khabib, um, he, he he would begin to discourse and speak in, in, in terms that would go beyond the ring. He would start talking uh, about his opponent in terms of his opponent's uh, culture and background, and, and eventually it, it would even get into his opponent's religious uh, convictions. Now, here is a scenario that I watched and observed, because one of the things I have learned is that God controls all matters and that whenever God wants to, and he frequently does want to show his inalienable principles of righteousness and justice and mercy and goodness, even in the world of the unbeliever, he will allow these inflexible and variable principles to show themselves. Now, and if I got your attention, if you if you if you were watching the McGregor Khabib fight, the 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 whole fiasco up to the fight, and if you were like I was, aware that I wasn't gonna pay for to watch a fight, I never do. Lord willing, I never will. I don't care about fights like that that much that I'm gonna pay for and take my time. I, I just I'm not like that. Got other very serious issues in my life that I just don't allow myself to pour over to that level. I, I hope I never, ever do, even if I become financially capable of doing it. I hope I never give myself over to that kind of vanity at that level because the atmosphere of it is just, for all intents and purposes, it is very carnal and fleshly, if you will. Uh, but there are lessons nevertheless to be learned. Here is what I want to ask you as we get ready to take a break and then we'll come back. I'm hoping that I can get some interest and some traction from you brothers or maybe even you sisters who have a little bit of uh, street umph in you, if you know what I mean. And uh, don't mind throwing down at least vicariously through the brothers who are supposed to be pros at this just to kind of get your you know, your your uh, frustrations out. I got a few sisters like that, and they know the game well. Uh, I'm not going to call your name out, but I'm just saying I know a few of you. I wouldn't want to meet you on the, on the street. In any event, McGregor is taunting Khabib, and Khabib is remaining cool. He's remaining calm. He's remaining collected. Now, Khabib is no joke either. This brother has made it all the way up through the ranks, He's beat everybody. Let's say I don't even remember the records, but there's something like uh, 30 
30 and 1 or 30 and 0. One of them won 27 fights straight, haven't lost any. The other one won 30 straight, haven't lost any. With McGregor, he, he did get taxed by uh, Mayweather, as you guys know. But here go two very masterful cage fighters who are getting ready to, to butt heads. And as I stated, what I observed in the antics and the rage and the uh, profane uh, behavior of McGregor was really larger than the person. This was all about principle. This is why I'm asking the question to those of you who may have watched. Before the fight occurred, did you believe that McGregor was going to win? Or did you believe that Khabib was going to win? If you if, you've, if you know, give me a call, one 367 And did you actually analyze the fight through a biblical worldview, or were you simply salivating with your, you know, your glandular uh, expression of emotion as a, as a carnal man, you know, giving your freedom to do that? Because for me, again, what became of vital interest in trying to keep up with them up to the fight was to find out why McGregor would tout his Irish background, therefore his Protestant Christian background or Catholic, which I think he's more Protestant uh, in his 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 uh, association with his Irish background, why he would kind of tout that and put all the Irish people on his back using the first person, you know, plural, we, we, we Irishmen are this and that, and get in the face of Khabib. And Khabib is Russian, but Khabib is more than Russian. Khabib is Muslim. And Khabib, while he did express himself with a small measure of passion just to let McGregor know, you know, you're not dealing with a fool here. You're not dealing with a wimp. Uh, So some of the terminology was a little bit spicy on Khabib's part. But the thing that I noticed about him was that he had such a measure of restraint, a measure of control, a measure of discipline. That it was remarkable to me, given the kind of face-to-face taunting and spitting that comes from your opponent to you when you're, you know, nose-to-nose grinding it out before the fight. And I thought to myself, God's going to be glorified in this one. Not at the level of whether or not a brute can beat up another brute, but at the level of the principle of character overcoming the uh, the the kookiness of one who wants to just open mind his open wide his mouth and just be a fool to the whole world. Um, the again the bragging the 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 boasting the the taunting the profanity on the part of McGregor uh, had me very worried. Now McGregor's a great fighter, and the thing that was going through my head was this: Will God allow this boy? They're all they're in their twenties, maybe thirties, early thirties, thirties. At least McGregor is. Uh, will, will God allow this young man to actually uh, triumph victoriously uh, in a in a in a in a in a very open and 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 obviously unprincipled manner of conduct over a young man who almost in a, in, on a human level was impeccable in his restraint, control, and discipline. And again, Khabib, you guys. This brother's no joke. McGregor knew he was getting in the ring with a bear. The boy literally wrestled bears when he was younger. I saw the videos, okay? Wrestled bears. 
And I saw his fights coming up too. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't play. He had thunder in his hands as well. So you got two guys with thunder in their hand, but one is coming forward with the kind of taunt that Goliath did against David. And um, David, you know, David was no joke. He handled his business, didn't he? But he didn't come off with the same kind of arrogance that uh, Goliath did. Presumption and. Uh, and, and, and Khabib just held his cool. He said, I'll see you in the ring. I didn't get a chance to see the fight, and it was about a month ago, and I was wondering, how come it wasn't on the regular news, ESPN, ESPN2? I want to know who won the fight. I want to know how it came out. I want to know whether or not the principle of righteousness prevailed in that case, or did God just, in his own inscrutable judgment, decide to leave it uh, to the world of beasts? Because, uh, again, I couldn't imagine the, re- the, the whole arena being all born-again, true, mature believers. Uh, engaging that, in that kind of cacophony um, uh, and, and somehow it have a redemptive component to me. I don't mind you calling in one 367 and talking about it. Now, when I come back, of course, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to you about the principle of righteousness relative to conflict. How do you handle conflict when it hits you in the face? How do you handle that individual who goes from zero to 60 in about a second and a half and he's raging at you? How do you handle that? How would a Christian engage a process of dealing with a a taunter who is willing to overwhelm you if you let him? And what kind of strategies would you employ? What kind of biblical approach would you handle, uh, would you embrace, employ? And what kind of exit strategy would you have to avoid any kind of unnecessary failure or humility? Have you, have you ever thought about that? You meet people in the street, these kind of weird things come up, and boom, you are in an engagement. You are in a hostile scenario, and you're trying to figure out how do I handle this. Do you just hold your peace and cower, or do you open your mouth and defend yourself, or do you get ready to brawl? Do you just look for your Vaseline? Do you just pull off your, just, you know, pull off your gloves? <laughs> How would God have you to handle that? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. You're saying, Pastor, what in the world does this have to do with the gospel? When you come back, or rather, when I come back, or when we come back, I'll let you know. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right. The time is 526 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I tried to wet your whistle. Um, uh, three lines open. one 367 Three lines open. one 367 If you um, are of those who um, uh, track with that kind of uh, uh, cage fighting activity uh, with all of the different martial art features, including boxing, if uh, if you have seen, and one of the things I was talking with Jarrell about, my engineer, was about the ethics of it, the um, the benefit of it, the 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 if there's any kind of takeaway from combat sports relative to it having the capacity to glorify God. Now, if any of you know anything about that world, and I have uh, sincere brothers in Christ who do who will quickly say, you know, we do this in the name of the Lord Jesus and, and, you know, 
you know, bless the Lord and this and that. And, and of course, now in all of these kinds of activities, you've got different religions that are definitely getting involved. Islam is definitely there with their um, adherents. Uh, uh, Khabib is certainly a young man who did not hesitate to acknowledge his um his Muslim roots uh, as he engaged in it. But as I stated, one was loud and boisterous and unchristian-like. He was unprincipled in his behavior. The other was very disciplined and given to um, the high stakes and, 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 and significance of the fight. He recognized that it was important for him not to uh, bloviate, if you will, uh, and come off in a pompous way because a lot was involved. As I stated, uh, in a real sense, it was Russia against Ireland. In another sense, it was Islam versus uh, Christianity, albeit the Irish, you know, Protestant form. But now if divine principles are um, invariably and immutably used by God in our world to teach us something about what um, ought to be and what not ought to be, what was supposed to be the outcome of that fight relative to the pompous nature of McGregor and the actually really humble nature of Khabib, what would what 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 would what should have been in your mind the the uh, the um, ethical and moral principle derived from the outcome of that fight? Because as some watch sports, as I said, for folly, when I watched them, I watched them to see the character, the skill set, and most of all, the good sportsmanship of the people involved. Character, skill sets, and good sportsmanship should dominate. All sports. Um, and when I came to discover who won, it became very clear what my in, my intuitive judgment was. And you got your big bloviating McGregor. And I mean, he he was really going at the boy. He, he actually has become so wealthy that he created, he produced uh, a whiskey uh, for his country and for himself. I don't know what it's called, McGregor whiskey or whatever. He brought it to one of the weigh-ins and he had the bottle sitting on the table and he actually had a little shot glass with him drinking some. And then he also took a cup of it, a uh, shot glass, uh, uh, amount of that whiskey, you guys, and pushed it over into Khabib's presence and told Khabib to drink. Hey, man, come on, drink, drink. What, you afraid? And what, what Khabib said was, no, I've never drunk it, never will drink it. Because, of course, consistent, um, non-hypocritical Muslims, um, you know, we, they, they hold to certain epic, uh, you know, dietary laws, and one of them is not to drink. And in that particular area, I can tell you, uh, there is a lot of foresight um, for men and women who understand the wisdom of sobriety, the wisdom of making sure that you're not in a position where you're compromised, the wisdom of making sure that you don't uh, put your body in a state where um, your mouth cannot actually pay for uh, the mess that you get yourself in. So what McGregor had done was given us all this view of him being able to be absolutely wasted because that's the way he put himself off as and his own Irish people as people who could get drunk to the hilt and then still go out and fight and kick butt. And that's just the way it was. And that's what he was saying that he would do. And I remember Kebab saying one thing 
Khabib, he said, uh, McGregor's going to have a long night in the ring with me. It was almost prophetic the way he put it. Young man, too. I mean, young man, 20-something years old. He says, McGregor is going to have a, being Russian, you know, McGregor is going to have a long night in the ring with me. It was four rounds. Four rounds. And from round one to round four, McGregor had a long night with the bear. And when it was over, McGregor, who had never done this before, remember he won every fight, 30-something fights, only lost to Mayweather in, in a boxing context, found himself tapping out because the bear, Khabib, had his way with him all four rounds. It was uncanny to finally find it on the Internet and look at it and watch it. And what a wise man does is learn from those kinds of events. Are you ready? What God honors, what God calls his people to. Now, we're not to be drawn into uh, scenarios and uh, events that would cause us to put down um, our, our principal character of a believer who walks in humility, um, who walks in the confidence of grace, who walks in the uh, uh, serenity of, of trust in God through Christ, and carries himself in a very uh, disciplined manner so as not to bring reproach to the name of God, to the name of the Son of God, to the name of the gospel, which McGregor did all that, you guys. He did it all. He, 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 you know, his, he, he put his country on his back. When he went down, Ireland went down. He put his... Uh, uh, character caricature of himself on his back, the wild Irish fighter. So now the wild Irish fighter is is down. You know how we do. You know uh, Jackie Robinson and uh, you know all these people who become representatives of your culture. If they they win, you win. If they lose, you lose. Where well, was really something to think about? And you know what the proverb says? Proverb says God resists the proud, and it gives grace to the humble. And I looked at that fight and I thought about, um, do we get this as Americans? Do we get it as American Christians? Do we get it as believers around the world? Um, Or are we in for a a rude awakening around um, abandoning the biblical model and approach to Witnessing to the world as to where our strength comes from, our confidence comes from, our success comes from versus um, uh, coming off in a cocky, fleshly, carnal way, as did McGregor. Um, Something to learn. And then again, in terms of how one would engage a person coming at you on a personal level, um, will we yield to the arm of the flesh? Will we um, go toe to toe? Or will we learn how to uh, maintain a, a, a balanced decorum, uh, you know, sue for peace and reconciliation, strive to avoid conflict uh, and engage in winning that individual through a, uh, a, a process of dialogue and conversation that God might just honor? Now, see, the latter, what I just shared with you is the reason for which Christ gave us the ethic that he did about how the gospel is to go into all the world. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. The only reason you and I have a robust gospel today, almost 2,000 years after Christ 
left this world is because we did not take up arms. We did not take up a sword. We did not go fleshly. We did not go carnal. I'm not talking about the false church. I'm not talking about the carnal church. I'm not talking about the historic church that did that because they were wrong in doing it, but they did it. I'm talking about when Christ tells us how we are to endure, how we are to suffer, how we are to engage our enemies, how we are to trust in God, how we are to ought to deal with conflicts It matters like that so that the outcome is that God is glorified in our sufferings for Christ, um, even if it ends up being that we are afflicted for it. Easier said than done, but the best way in the world to go so that we don't have to come up under the negative principle of God resists the what and gives grace to the what. All right, this is a Monday edition of Lifeline. I'm going to take another break. Uh, When I come back, got another topic I want to talk to you about. I think it's going to be pretty good. So along the lines of, uh, you know, the whole justice paradigm that's going on, I want to uh, elicit from your thoughts something on this. I I think it will be interesting. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Gist. Now, I'll give you the number once again, 1-888-367-5329, 1-888-367-5329. If you want to call and chat, 1-888-367-5329. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, the time 539 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to have you with us. If you are out there, the number one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Um well I haven't got any takers on our um, opening topic. Um I hope you drew some lessons out of it. If you didn't want to call in, you maybe you are maybe at the present my listening audience does not at all frequent that field. And that would be good. If you if you don't uh if you're not into all of that kind of um uh more new age fighting styles in the cages where they're wrestling and kicking and punching and, and rather violent, quite frankly. Um, got it. I, I totally do. Got it. But I know there is an element out there that does engage in that. And I just uh, thought there might be have been a reason to actually extract some principles. Did carry it over to the practical area. I remember about two years ago, I was um, preparing uh, a Friday night Bible study and I had to stop at um, the dollar store right on Davis Street. This was a couple years ago, and I was picking up some. I don't know what it was, but, you know, the dollar store is a, is a place where brother frequents for small items that you just don't want to have to pay an, op, an absorbent amount f- uh, for at, let's say, CVS or Safeway or something like that. That's why I was there. In any event, I'm uh, I'm in the line, and uh, uh, there is uh, an individual, fairly large brother, don't mean any harm there, just just stating the fact. Latino brother who um rose up with his, his uh cart and his daughter and 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 just gets in front of the lady that was in front of me. It was a lady in front of me in line, and he just pulls right on up in front of her, uh, talking to his daughter as if um, you know, she didn't exist. And uh, as if I didn't exist. And uh, you can tell the lady was perturbed. And so I, I, I basically just said to him, hey, hey excuse me, um, she was before you. And I thought he would go, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't see. Do you know that man got belligerent? I mean, he got angry. I mean, fiercely angry. I, you know, I went, oh, I caught him on a bad day. <laughs> I caught him on a bad day. Now, I'm thinking, all right, you know, 
Temperature up, temperature down. It'll go down. Do you know that brother kept looking at me and he kept talking in Espanol? I didn't, you know, so that helped because I, my, my Spanish is not great. But I could tell that he was, he wanted to egg it on. He wanted to egg it on. And his daughter looked like she was about 11 or 12 years old. She was saying, Daddy, Daddy, you know, stop it. And uh, he just kept looking back at me. I mean, you could tell he was fuming, fuming. And then he started using some profane words. And I'm just looking and I'm just looking. I'm going, "Mm, this is quite interesting. (laughs) We're in the dollar store on Davis Street. Uh, That's a lot of room in there, you know, and and I've been around. I've been around the streets before. I know how to move around and I'm looking around. I'm going, whoa, we're going to have some news cameras in here in in a minute. And I was really thinking through how to manage this situation because I had a flashback. I'm going to share with you another point that 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 actually goes to this. This is why I was saying earlier when I uh, beheld how the McGregor and the Khabib fight went that the outcome was McGregor got his butt whooped, um, and rightly so, because he he brought more to the table than he should have. He should have just brought his skill sets and just went at it. If he had lost, he would have the only person would have lost is him. But for him, Ireland lost and Christianity lost as well. And that 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 is the reason I brought it up, because we can get into something where we end up, you know, smarting for it, as the Proverbs puts it, but not bringing blasphemy or dishonor to the name of God. So I remember years ago, I must have been about eight or nine years old, and I was either heading to school or coming from school, and I was I went to the liquor store to do something. Uh, not okay, so you know, liquor store for a nine year old is about candy or something like that. Okay, just letting you know. <laughs> In any event, it was another big brother, um, my age. This show goes to show you how deja vu works. He was about my age, but a big brother. You know, I'm a little guy and small then compared to even where I am now. And he was stealing out of the, I I went in to get some ice cream. He was stealing out of the ice cream box, taking ice cream. And I said to him, you know, hey, don't steal that. Don't take that. That's not yours. And the guy behind the counter, you know, uh, caught him and, 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 and apprehended him. And that big old boy came charging after me, and we found ourselves wrestling in the store. He's all on top of me and everything. He didn't get any punches off or anything like that. But I remember uh, the subsequent thought that I had after that occurred. Nobody knew this but me. Um, I'm walking away, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, should I have even said that? Should I have even as a nine-year-old boy, I'm black, he's black, we're in a, I think either an Asian store or something, you know how that used to be back in the day, right? I'm thinking, should I have said something or should I have left it alone? I'm not, you know, the, the boy, that's not my, he wasn't my cousin, he wasn't my brother, he wasn't my friend, and he certainly wasn't my enemy. I didn't even know him. I just, in that moment, thought, hey, he shouldn't be stealing. Now, was I right or was I wrong? And uh, Hood thought it would be like this. Mind your own business. Okay? That's how it would be in the Hood. 
this will kind of get me to my next topic, by the way, called the cruelty of victim blaming and the hope of redemption, the cruelty of victim blaming and the hope for redemption. Uh, When it was over with, I felt personally at nine years old, like I went through something that I didn't have to go through for something that really was not my issue. You guys know what I'm talking about. I went through something that I should have had to go through for something that was not my issue. I wasn't a believer, didn't have God on my mind at all, didn't get raised up that way, didn't have any of those reference points at all to think about, didn't think about suffering for righteousness sake, didn't think about, you know, I am my brother's keeper, didn't think about um, any of those uh, principles that our kids who grow up in Sunday school have to bear when they go out in the world and have to see these kinds of things. I didn't think about that. I was just thinking about whether it was even worth it to end up wrestling with that dude and then have to face him every day going to school now because I told on him. See what I'm getting at? And uh, immediately upon this event happening a a couple years ago with another brother that was bigger than me, I was saying to myself, man, look at how deja vu comes around again. Only this time, ladies and gentlemen, I had a number of biblical principles stored in my heart and in my mind by which even though I sought to recover for the lady that was in front of me, the dignity of her not being um, taken advantage of uh, by somebody stepping in line in front of her, um, I did have the the, the principle of knowing how to hold my peace engage him calmly, and then after a certain point, just simply take my position and maintain my quietness, ready to have to deal with what I had to deal with if I had to deal with it, but watched him reach a peak and go no further. But in my mind, I was ready for him to charge me like that boy did many, many. This will be now almost 50 years ago. Um, and, and in my mind, I was ready to deal with that if I had to. I felt justified. I felt um, if I have to now uh, engage this brother simply because of something he did, I will have to just engage him. And whatever the outcome will be, the outcome will be. <laughs> I'll have a whole lot to talk about in a couple hours when I do the Friday study. Uh, be it as it may, God allowed that thing to kind of just die down right there. He went on out the store. And there was nothing more to it along those lines. But you see, I think every now and then we have to admit that when an issue of righteousness or an issue of justice or an issue of right comes up, whether we're going to step up and actually engage it is one thing. Whether we're going to step up and engage it appropriately is another thing. Whether we're going to not step up because we want to save our hide is another thing still. And and if you're not getting anything from this talk, this is the stuff your kids are going to have to deal with when they're out there. And they're going to be out there at some point. This is why kind of, whether you know it or not, what we're talking about matters. I'm going to take another break. Um, after that, I'll begin to engage your phone calls. one 367 5329 one Love to hear from you. Um, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. You're listening to Jesse Gistan. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. Um, this is the last segment on this part, uh, the last part of the first segment of uh, this money's Lifeline. The number one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I will hold our second and very juicy topic <laughs> that I really wanted to press into 
uh, until the second hour, uh, which will be coming up shortly. Because I want to exercise your senses in it as well. As people of the gospel, uh, we live in a world, and Christ fully knew this, where uh, we would be in danger, in harm's way, for doing what's right. He knew that. He knew that, and he gave us all kinds of principles around it, and that's why I'm talking about it now. Uh, and, 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 And we have to have a value system that basically says that we may not win this battle, but we will always win the war um, because righteousness will always prevail. But you ought to know that that um, that standard, that hope, that promise that I just uttered by that proposition, it, 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 it nowhere is an axiom in our world from the fall of mankind to the present hour. Uh, in many, many ways, in many very practical ways, the world has experienced the atrocity of nothing but injustice after injustice after injustice after injustice. And the believer has to absolutely have a deep anchoring hope and, and, and foundation of confidence in the eternal verity of God being the one to avenge all evil at some point in the future. Without that framework of confidence, you and I won't take the risk of trying to do the right thing, even if it has a bad outcome. We won't have any reason to take that risk if we do not believe in a God that will take vengeance and make everything right at some point in the future. Our sons and daughters won't take the risk. Our grandkids won't take the risk. And there is, by the way, a kind of Christianity out there today that doesn't take any risks. And it's not Christian at all, because if you know anything about Christ, for him to actually come into this world and live it out in the weakness of, uh, of humanity, dependence upon God, but the weakness of humanity, he, he came in weakness. He didn't, he didn't deploy all the powers of his deity every time he got in trouble. You know that. And so he endured suffering, hardship. He bore all kinds of opposition and hostility in order to be a faithful high priest, in order to be a perfect representative for those of us who would believe in him and entrust in him. And so he endured it all, and thus he knew at every point apart from sin what kind of crazy, unjust, troubled world you and I live in. And yet he told us, turn the other cheek, Um, be wise about how you engage evil. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. He gave an ethic by which the gospel would advance for 2,000 years uh, in a way that would bring about ultimate peace. Like I said, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. So we, we want to be very careful that we don't adopt just because we are the majority power in the world an unbiblical Christianity that takes confidence in the sword, takes confidence in politics takes confidence in a kind of historic crusader-like religion because God always resists to who? The proud. Gives grace to who? That grace that he gives us is not always grace to obtain the victory in the moment. It might be just grace enough to die, grace enough to face humility, grace enough to suffer. Yep. Let me go to line number three and talk with Troy in San Francisco. Troy, are you there? Yes, I am. What's your question, observant or comment, sir? 
Well, I'm just ashamed of myself because the exact same thing that you're talking about, about reacting uh-huh. in an unchristian manner, I did that today. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. What and, happened? Uh, someone who I uh, thought of as a friend, uh, well, at least we're co-workers, actually. Got it. And I already know he likes to shortcut stuff like that, but... Um, uh, I don't know. There was a situation at work where he uh, did not physically attack me, but he uh, agitated me to a point where I had to. He kept calling me out. Well, not outside of my name, but he wasn't. I said, "You know my name. Call you. Call my name." Right. And um, I just reacted in a way that was totally unchristian. Mm-hmm. The thing is about this that you're talking about, I was getting ready, I listened to you off and on, but when you started with the first topic, I said, ah, that's not interesting to me about the fighting. Yeah. But I kept it on, and I believe that the Holy Spirit wanted me to hear this part right here. Right. Because, I and I was talking to another co-worker who's, uh, I guess you would call him a carnal Christian, but he understands a little better that I have to learn to, what is it that I, to learn to, well, the one thing I need to learn is to learn to walk in the spirit because I'm always talking about it. Right. And I more than once have I lost my temper Got like it. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it always seems to come out of nowhere. Not, um, completely blindsided, unexpected, mm-hmm. not just my action, but the idea of the attack. Right. And from people, you know, that I'm not even aware of. Right. Uh, necessarily. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, Lord, I hear you. I, I teach Sunday school. I go to church every Sunday. <laughs> I go to a men's fellowship class on Saturday mornings. See? Uh, dealing with pure desire and pureness with the conquerors. Yep. And, and it's like, you're not walking what you're talking at all. Well, Troy, you know God loves so, you, right? You know God loves you, right? Okay, I'm not. Let me move some because I'm losing you. Uh, can you hear me? Um, Okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm losing you. Okay, so listen, take it off the air. There you go. I'll talk to you off the air. Good. You know know what God will do, you guys? And Troy is brave. Bless you, Troy. The Lord will give you a measure on this, and I know this. God will take a topic that, like I stated, I knew uh, there's a marginal amount of people that actually even watch Cage Friday and things of that nature. There's a whole lot more of you guys who are listening that did. You just didn't call in. But really what I wanted to do was actually, you know, parlay that into the more ethical, practical and personal matter that I did for a person like Troy and others. Because this is where I simply derived why it is that we as believers have to. And I'll use Troy's own terminology, walk in the spirit, Um, because what Troy was saying was that. He finds himself on occasion being provoked to react instead of respond. And if I if I, you know, if I just kind of put on my biblical therapist hat a little bit just to encourage uh, Troy, um, he knows, as I know, that at the end of the day it's not coming out of nowhere. It's, <laughs> if you have an outburst of anger and you go carnal, it's coming from somewhere. And according, according to Christ, Matthew 15, it's the heart. 
but it's also coming out of a predispositioned offense that is really the consequence of a couple of things, and I'll share them with you. Um, it could be that that my brother Carl, Carl has had a history of uh, fighting in conflict and engaging in battle, as have I. I, I, I know that world. And, and, and therefore, in order for you to be able to overcome that impulse to want to react and fight back, it's called being a brawler. And when God called me to the ministry of pastorate, that became a very important principle in First Timothy and in Titus, as well as uh, Exodus 18, as well as First Samuel chapter 23, where those that that rule uh, must be just ruling in the fear of God and, and certain characteristics and attributes of a pastor just must be there at a foundational level because we're called to be reconcilers, men of peace, and, and therefore we can't be known to be brawlers. Um, so that whole element is of a uh, significant matter to me because I grew up fighting. So I get Carl. So the thing that Carl will have to grasp, as did I, is the importance of what it means to walk in the spirit. If people talk about walking in the spirit and, you know, when you begin to ask them and explain that, they can't even begin to do it. So here's what I'm going to say to Carl if we were sitting in council relative to this, Carl. From now on, ask God to give you the grace to begin to pick up on the triggers that lead to an outburst of carnality towards someone. Say, Lord, help me sense the um, undetectable or imperceptible impulses that begins to cause me to cock the trigger of an emotional defensive posture to want to go on the attack mode when somebody is challenging me uh, on a personal level, even if it's just uh, auditory. Uh, even if it's just verbal. And one of the other things I say is, so you can ask God to help you become more sensitive to the ramping up of your own spirit, the ramping up of your own emotions, the gathering together of a defensive posture in preparation to either say something or do something or say something in your mind. Because like a lot of y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You do it in your mind. You'll cuss them out in your mind, but you won't do it audibly. Same thing, same thing. When you go away, you got to do with the Lord because the light and the darkness are the same with him. Ask David. David knew. You can't hide from God, Psalm 139. And so my point is this. In order for us to be able to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, and self-control, et cetera, et cetera, those qualities, that quality of fruit um, in the context of conflict Here's the other thing you want to do. Not only ask God to show you how to pick up on those imperceptible trigger points that that put you in a position of defensive, ready to spring, but ask him to give you space. Create space in my soul, Lord. Give me space between how I feel and what I say. And he'll give it to you. This is what I learned years ago. Before being saved, I had a sailor's mouth because everybody in the hood did. You let your words go before your hands. Y'all know what I'm talking about. God saved me and I was playing sports. I remember playing basketball one day with a good friend. We were on the court, St. John, St. Patrick's down in West, uh, West Oakland, out on the court. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Those, those of you who grew up in, on the West Side, we getting at it, banging at it. And, uh, you know, I could play some ball. And uh, I remember getting bumped. And, you know, 
the guy fouled me, and as I'm fading back, you know, the word came on out. And but I'm saved, and I'm going, whoa, that's not right. Hmm, I got to figure out a better way to handle getting bumped. <laughs> and God gave me grace. I remember early on, you guys, about 18, 19 years old, I remember God, early on God said, that model of reacting to any kind of pressure has to go, young man, because he was calling me away from a warlike battle of behavior and reputation to a man of peace, reconciliation. And so it was my tongue that had to be um, controlled first. So God put a watch over my lips early on and profanity just utterly disappeared as an impulse um, after about a year because I didn't want it anymore. Didn't want it. Not because it wasn't a tool to be used against my adversaries. It was something that I knew intuitively grieved the Holy Ghost who had taken residence in my soul and said, hey, nah, that's your new creature. We don't do that, brother. We don't do that. Uh, besides, you got a long ways to go in life, and uh, you keep walking in these old principles, and you're going to get beat down, and that's going to be a problem. And, and God is right. He's always right. He taught me how to hold my peace, and I'm here today, 58 years old, just because of that fundamental principle. So I'm with you, Carl. Love you, bro. Thanks for calling. I'm going to um, take a break. When I come back, Marlis, Deb, Vic, uh, on the Monday edition of Lifeline, uh, we'll keep this going. I, I knew I had to tell that story. I knew I had to do it if it wasn't but for our brother Carl. And God's going to help him overcome that because <laughs> he teaches Sunday school and he goes to men's meeting just as we do. And we want to be better believers, don't we? Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.